I am Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. And I am delighted to say on what is a crisp autumn morning here in the capital, we have got a little bit of comic relief on the uh, the podcast today in the shape of Mark Tewin coming on to the show as a guest. Uh, Mark is an entrepreneur, an investor and the founder and owner of Comic Enterprises Limited, the entity which runs the Glee Clubs. Um, Mark, thank you so much for joining us and it's a real pleasure having you on. Good morning, you're welcome. It's a real pleasure, Mark. Uh, um, I think it's important as well just to talk a little bit more about the background of um, your sort of business uh, because um, you're a huge figure in the uh, the comic world. I'm a regular judge on the panel at the Great British Entrepreneur Awards as well, so very well known in the, uh, the world of business. And Comic Enterprises, it dates back to around about 1994, doesn't it? And it was very much sort of a labour of love sort of building up um, your business, wasn't it? I think that's fair to say. I think that, that, that's absolutely spot on. It, it was a labour of love. I, I was introduced to the, the, the so-called new wave or alternative comedy in the... Um, mid to late 80s, when, when I took a year off between school and university, sort of friend of the family t- took, me to, took me to the world-famous comedy store uh, back when it was um, located r- r- right in the middle of, of Leicester Square. I, I, spent, I spent a few evenings there, and I, I, I was absolutely hooked. Um, so although it was another sort of 10 years or so before I, I got involved in the business, um, you know, I, it, it, this was for a long time my way of enjoying my weekends and enjoying a night out and then you know when when the opportunity came up to just think about why why was this not happening outside London uh, that I suppose was the, the genesis of the idea for the Glee, for the Glee Club the, the Glee Club in Birmingham um, which did open in 1994 it was the first purpose-built comedy club outside London uh, it was of course being done outside of London but it was more what I would describe as sort of pub function room comedy, mm. which was great. I used to thoroughly enjoy going along to, to these little, what you might call micro gigs, both in and, in and out of London. But what I couldn't understand was why there was something like the comedy store, and by that stage, jonglers as well. Why was this such a big phenomenon in London and, and it wasn't really happening out of town? Uh, so my gamble was, there isn't a particularly good reason why it's not happening outside of London, and I'm going to do it outside of London. So, so I did, and the rest is history. And you know, we're knocking on the door of, of almost 30 years now. So yeah, I opened I opened Birmingham in 1994. So it's 27 years in the business, and I've thoroughly enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah, exactly. And it's not something you've always done, is it? Because, of course, your background before, um, of course, um, Comic Enterprises was in corporate finance. Um, did sort of your experience within that industry maybe sort of give you that grounding necessary, do you think, to sort of go and run your own business doing what it was that you wanted to do, would you say? Well, for, for sure, it's absolutely the case that those four or five years that I spent as essentially a city analyst, Working for a couple of banks in the in the city of London, it gave me the 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 basic business and I guess legal legal experience to give me the confidence to you know get out there and, and do something for real. But the, there's another sort of truth to it as well, and that is that I joined the city in 1990, and for those who have a long enough memory, um, there was a fierce recession in the early 90s. It pretty much was lasted from, I think, 1991 
about. And if I'm honest, it wasn't a great place to work at the time. Um, a lot of people were being made redundant. There wasn't a huge amount of business for the the, set, the particular sector that I was in, which was the sort of mid-tier mid-tier of, of the old merchant banks. So if truth be known, the idea got a hold of me and I ended up having sleepless nights and thinking, you know, am I going to do this or am I not? And then one morning I just woke up and I just said, I, I, I have to do this. Don't get me wrong. I, I would love to have spent five to ten years in the, in, 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 in the city. I'd like to have stayed a little bit longer. But the circumstances are, look, when an idea grabs you and you maybe haven't done particularly well in the in the four or five years that you were in the city, you've just got to grab that opportunity and, and run with it. And actually, I might add that the original idea was that I was going to have fun with this comedy club for, you know, could have been three years, four years, five years. And then I had every intention of wising up and getting a proper a proper job in banking and finance again. Mm -hmm. But as you can see, that never happened. I, I had too much fun, uh, and I enjoyed the life of a the life of a, of a founder and an owner much better than, than I thought I could be I could be offered by going back into the into the world of, of corporate finance. And it's another anecdote, isn't it, of a successful business that's essentially been born out of a time of economic hardship. And of course, we've tasted recession yet again. It seems to be just a hurdle that we have to get over every so often for one reason or another. The latest reason, of course, being the COVID-19 situation that has really sort of stricken the creative arts industry. And perhaps arguably up until this point where things are starting to open up again and we're seeing signs of economic recovery. Um, so just how has it been sort of trying to navigate the last sort of 18 months or so, Mark? Well, I, I can honestly tell you that, um, you know, I, we, we sort of benefited when, when we got going in the 90s. To, you know, it was, a, it was an amazing period. We didn't really have another recession for quite some period of time. I, I opened my Cardiff club in 2001, and that period was could probably be characterized as a little bit of a, a downturn in the, in, 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 in the economic world. But, you know, along came covid and although I sort of feel that I've, I'm, I'm almost a sort of a, a business veteran now, having been 30 years in it, this is um, this was like nothing I I had ever experienced before. I mean, to, to be to, to be sitting watching the news and, and listening to the radio in your office and literally having to decide whether to send everybody home all in one go. And at, at the time of the closure, I believe it or not, I had Alan Carr sitting in his car outside the Glee Club in Birmingham with my operations manager on the phone ringing me up saying, you know, Alan's, Alan's happy to do the gig, but, you know, we need your call as to whether or not we're open tonight, tonight based mm. on the news. And I had, to, I had to report back, look, based on what I've seen, we can't go ahead with tonight's gig. Um, tell him how sorry we are, but he, he's going to have to, he's going to have to go. <laughs> Thankfully, Alan Carr was totally, totally happy about that. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the, the COVID-19, I, I can also hand on heart say I was at a, I was at an industry conference a couple of weeks before the big shutdown happened. And, uh, I, 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 the best way that I can describe it was, uh, you know, the, the, the sector wasn't in sort of panic. 
but everybody was looking at each other saying, what's the answer here? And nobody really had the answers. And we're, you know, we're talking about sort of senior industry figures. And if, if anything, that was, it sounds perverse, but it was hugely reassuring to me in a way to know that I, I wasn't the only one mm. who literally did not have a clue what the next few weeks was going to have in store for us. And of course, the next few weeks turned out to be the next two years. Um, I, I, I can talk uh, maybe later on about the, the, the different phases of the of the, the pandemic shutdown that we had. But um, yeah, I can tell you it's, it's quite an experience to say, shut everything, everybody go home. You know, uh, uh, kind of await Await my await my further instructions, and um, knowing full well that I didn't have the faintest clue what those instructions might be. <laughs> and quite fortunately, really, um, government has sort of stepped up to the plate in supporting business through the time with its various sort of business interruption measures, and also sort of the Arts Council with its cultural recovery fund. Obviously, of course, your business has had to sort of benefit from uh, that as well, um, but there's been a lot made of some of the gaps in the support as well. So just sort of what sort of job do you think that the government have done in sort of helping lead the business um, through sort of this time and the industry at large, I should say? Look, there's no doubt about it, but the, the, the biggest the biggest sort of number one game changer, I think, for those of us in, in hospitality uh, and indeed other other sectors of the economy was was the, the support packages that came in the form of furlough and uh, business rates relief. Um, but let's make no bones about it. That was that was a game changer. It was it was huge. It was material. It 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 helped it helped to, to save the business. But it wasn't it wasn't the full it wasn't the full savior package. Mm-hmm. If you catch my drift, um, stage one. Furlough and, and, and business support was was amazing for businesses like ours. Stage two of survival was I've got to sit down with my landlord and I've got to work out where we all stand. Um, I, I was phenomenally fortunate in the sense that I had lease expiries coming up, and that 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 changed the uh, the landscape to the extent that you know if my landlord didn't particularly want to engage with me, that that was fine. Uh, I could walk away and they could walk away uh, without falling out necessarily. But the great news was my landlords pretty much uh, without exception all wanted to, to engage with me. Because I had these lease expiries, it gave me a, a, a brilliant opportunity to effectively almost start from the beginning and renegotiate my, 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 my various tenures. And stage three of the um, survival process really, really was the game changer for us. Um, and I got, I got to be honest with you, I wasn't expecting it. Um, I was absolutely bowled over when we were successful for it. But the stage three for us was the Arts Council uh, cultural recovery uh, packages, um, which, when announced, again, I thought this could be a potential game changer, but. I was also hugely nervous because um, the fact was that the Arts Council had never, ever in its history supported uh, live comedy 
um, really in the form in, in, in the form that I understood it to be, which was which is clubs like mine, and I was fearful that these cultural recovery funds would be reserved for the you know the high art and, mm. and the and what you might describe as the subsidised sector. Um, when it became apparent that we were going to be considered uh, equally um, with the rest of the sector, we we set about applying for these grants. And um, you know, to my to my shock and amazement, we were actually really pretty successful with them. So, get, game changer number three was the the Arts Council Cultural Recovery Fund. It just it it was the final piece of the jigsaw, which meant that our survival was absolutely assured. Um, so it was a weird sort of set of lockdowns. You know, the, the first three months that I literally spent. You know, mm. most days pacing up and down. If, if everyone, anyone remembers, the weather was quite nice. So I was pacing up and down the garden quite a bit, trying to sort of map out a plan for how we could, you know, plot stage one of our of our recovery. Uh, that was furlough, uh, business rates relief. Uh, stage two was engaging with landlords, and, and stage three for us was um, the, the cultural recovery funds. And to throw into the mix as well, you know, I, I'd been. Uh, because I'd been in business for a reasonable period of time, and I'm in my fifties now, I was quite proud of the fact that we were we were debt free, and we you know we haven't had any debt finance for quite some period of time. But here I was having to apply for a huge coronavirus business into business um, support loan, which obviously pre-pandemic I didn't need and I didn't want, um, but we were successful in. Uh, in being granted a, quite, quite a substantial loan by, by our bank. But that, that was very much mixed feelings because, you know, you know I, I, I got the loan and I wanted to sort of pat myself on the back and say to myself, well, well done, that's another key part of our, our survival. But, you know, it, 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 it was a double-edged sword because I was then sort of thinking, well, I, I've saved the business, you know, I, I, I can keep going, but... You know, working for the bank for the next three or four years was really not what I had in mind. <laughs> um, so, and the, the other the other thing to throw in the, the mix again was um, we were we were pretty fortunate. We we didn't have extensive cover, but we had limited cover in terms of uh, business interruption. Um, so I set about obviously with my with my accounts team uh, making a claim for that. It, it took an awfully long time. I just had to sit back and, and, and wait for the wait wait for the results. But yeah, we we, we eventually we got a limited payout uh, for some 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 business interruption. So all those combined, we survived. We're back in business mm. and we're, we're we're open again and delighted delighted that yeah. we you know we we've obviously lost a few people um, along the way, but we're back up and we're growing. And I'm fairly confident that in the next six to twelve months, there's there's going to be at least one, maybe even two more glee clubs given birth to, shall we say? 
And that's absolutely amazing that we're even, of course, considering expansion given the uh, the period that we've had. And I think there are a couple of key, uh, key things to uh, to obviously consider in uh, what you mentioned there. First and foremost, that culturally the value of comedy is now being recognised by sort of the powers that be, as it were. Hence, of course, the uh, the consideration for that extra funding, um, and also the fact that you know you recognise that you weren't alone in this sort of boat that you were in. That business leaders have been speaking to each other, sharing their problems, and understanding that they're all in this together and learning from one another and it's ironic isn't it that in a sense in a year where we've all been apart we've almost kind of been brought closer together in some respects haven't we yes that's that's very much the case one of the things that i found that was um heartwarming a little bit during the uh in the initial summer lockdown is that you know i was able to talk to some of my other industry peers and we're we're people who are incredibly busy and we don't we don't often get much of a chance to catch up but um you know i i probably spoke to sort of half a dozen or more of my some some of whom would might be considered to be rivals and it was nice to it was nice to chew the fat it was nice to share experiences and it was nice to sort of um rekindle rekindle old friendships without necessarily the, the rivalry behind it and just um to, I mean, to some extent, share our, our misery and woe. But also, you know, it, it, as the months went on, we began to sort of share our growing confidence that we were going to come out of this. There, there, there's no doubt about it that going into this pandemic heavily laden, for example, with debt, or going into this pandemic with um, poor relationships with um, uh, key stakeholders like uh, landlords, you know, would have made would have made navigating this pandemic incredibly difficult. But, you know, there there are really good operators out there. And, um, you know, thankfully, those I consider myself lucky to say that I I haven't burnt too many bridges over my, through through my 27 years. Mm -hmm. And it was almost sort of slightly heartwarming to um, to end up in meaningful conversations with with, landlords that I had expected you know, treat me with a little bit of disdain, and, you know, ended up treating me with, you know, a considerable amount of goodwill. Um, and it was the same talking to my industry peers as well. You know, you, when you get a crisis like this, I think it's a, it, it's a bit of a truism to say you, you, you also find out who your friends are. Uh, so here I was ca- catching, up with old, catching up with old industry friends and um, putting aside rivalry, but also... You know, dealing with dealing with landlords, dealing with banks, dealing with insurance companies, and you know, I I, I, w- I was really happy that they dealt with me reasonably and, and and sensibly, and we we managed to plot a way through that. I, I fear for the for, I, I fear for some businesses that maybe didn't have those relationships, and it's I hope mm-hmm. you know it's maybe a lesson to everybody. You know, just to remember. Not to burn too many bridges in one's ambition to in, in one's ambition to grow or to or, or, or to make that little bit of extra profit. Um, you know, again, talking to suppliers as well, I found that my relationship with my with my my key suppliers was um, incredible. It was it was stronger than I ever expected it to be. Um, so although it was tough, um, we just we just got through the month and. You know, ticked off the things that needed to be ticked off, circled circled the wagons. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but 
my own philosophy when it came to shutting down and, and furlough, given the fact that we were 100% completely closed, apart from just a few months in, 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 in later in 2020 when, when, when we reopened. My, my philosophy to, to shut down was a little bit scorched earth um, because I just took the view that, you know, this is about survival. Um, there's only one way to do this, and that's to do it with considerable gusto. So, you know, everybody was furloughed except four people in our particular business. And that, that, that was tough. It was incredibly tough on everybody who was stuck at home wondering for the future of their for the future of their careers, many of whom had been with the Glee Club for, you know, 10 years or more. It is difficult, isn't it? And when you're in that sort of business survival mode um, at a time when sort of mental health is sort of more in the national limelight than ever before, um, you've got to, of course, make sure that you're checking in on those people, making sure that you're looking after their well-being when the future is so uncertain. But also, you've got to take that time out for yourself as that business leader who's running around and trying to juggle everything um, as well, isn't it? So um, it is hugely important from a leadership point of view not just of course to keep the check of um keep check on everybody else but also look after ourselves because i think um from a leadership perspective i mean it certainly starts from the self doesn't it um keeping your own mental health in check leading by example these are all incredibly important elements especially in a time like that that we've had you know one of the other saving graces of this uh, particular pandemic is that early on in the process i found that I was eligible to uh, go along virtually to the Aston University Business School and, and actually sign up for a course. In, in, I did a I did a course in small business small business leadership. Um, that was one of the other saving graces of the pandemic. I decided to sort of, to the extent that I ended up with a little bit more time on my hands, I decided to do a couple of courses. One of them was the small business leadership course. Uh, which I did at Aston University, and the other one that I did, I did, I did my level one wine course as well <laughs> along the way. Um, so yeah, that 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 was another part of the that, that was another part of the of the, of the business support which I found uh, incredibly useful. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, thinking of the uh, the future now, just before we do uh, wrap things up. Um, Obviously, um, you've mentioned already, Mark, that there may be a couple of glee clubs, um, more glee clubs, that is, in the pipeline, which is absolutely fantastic considering the uh, the year that we've had. Um, but obviously, moving forward um, to maybe this time in 2022, um, obviously, you're hoping to sort of get those uh, launched uh, within the uh, the next few months, I can imagine. But what else is it that you're really sort of hoping to have achieved by that point in time, would you say, now that we're hopefully we're leaving this pandemic behind us? You know, I mean, apart from getting the business back firmly into growth mode, this is probably going to sound like a sort of a slight lack of ambition. But you know, I, I just, I, I was trade. We we were trading our stocks off at the beginning of 2020. We're not quite there yet, but all all I really want to do is to get my, is is to get the business trading at a similar level to that which it was trading uh, in early 2020. And I'd like, I'd like the. Um, Staffing levels to be back up where they were, and I, I would just, I would, I would like everything to be running as smoothly as it was uh, in early 2020 before before that shutdown happened. Um, maybe maybe there's a slight lack lack of ambition there, but um, you know all, all I want to do is to, is to get everyone everyone back and, and, and into the groove. 
it's actually quite tough at the moment because we've got hundreds and hundreds of backed up shows that were uh, postponed and cancelled as a result of the pandemic. So we're in this sort of bizarre position whereby we're actually at times open seven nights a week, which we wouldn't we, we wouldn't typically be. So if anything, one of the challenges that I've got is, 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 is manager burnout. Um, we're mm. actually having to having to turn a few a few gigs away uh, simply for our own uh, for our own sanity and, and, and mental health. So I, I'd like to get the business back on just a really nice sort of equilibrium whereby everyone isn't being pushed quite as hard as they are now, but still I'd like to be trading as strongly as I was in, in, in early 2020. Building back slowly and building back sustainably. And that's that's the way to do it, isn't it? Because as you say there, you raise a valid point that there is a lot of CEO burnout at the moment. And that is something that we've got to be aware of because it all ties into that mental health side of things. And like I say, when you're trying to uh, run a successful business, you're not going to do it when you're just simply overburdening yourself in such a way. Yeah, it, it is definitely one of the one of the issues of this pandemic that I think has rightly come off the agenda of any CEO, and that is the, uh, the the mental well-being of not just the senior management team, but the middle management team, or, and, and all the way down to the you know the, 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 the troops on, on on the ground, whether they be full time or whether they they be part time. I've heard some horrendous stories uh, about how people have suffered during this, this pandemic. And it's it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while before that recedes and fades in in, in people's memories. Um, it's it, it's almost it's a, it's a pity that we've gone from you know from feast to famine all the way back to feast again in quite the way that we have. Um, we're going to be this busy probably until springtime next year. I never thought I'd say this. But I, I actually wouldn't mind if it calmed down a little bit mm. after we got over after we got over all these hundreds of gigs that have been that have been put, put postponed because there is a little bit of manager and staff burnout. Uh, I fear um, there's certainly a bit of manager and staff stress that I'm having to manage at, at the moment. But I'm pretty sure that my team is resilient enough to get to, to, to get through it. And resilience has been the buzzword of business for the entirety of the pandemic, hasn't it? We've seen it at such an incredible scale as organisations of various types have pivoted to get through. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that over the next few months as we continue to adjust to the post-COVID world. And as the Glee Clubs do look to do that as well, Mark, um, I wish you all the very best over the uh, the next year. And as we start to understand more about sort of which direction the culture sector is heading in and we sort of see how the trajectory of the pandemic moves forward, I'd actually love perhaps even to welcome you back onto the show just to catch up on how things are getting along and hopefully there'll be some success to share with the opening of the new glee clubs that you spoke about before i'd love that thank you very much i'd relish the opportunity as well mark thoroughly enjoyed having you on the program today and thank you once again for joining us and for those regular listeners that tuned in that may have been fascinated by mark's story and you might feel that you have your own story of sort of pandemic leadership success or of significant innovations to share then you can apply to be on the show as well via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and who knows it could be you sharing your own story on the program next uh, mark thanks again once more for joining us and do take care and do enjoy the rest of the week. Thank you.
It was a pleasure welcoming Mark Tewin of Comic Enterprises onto today's programme, and I do hope that all of you tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview. Um, Until next time, as I usually do following a successful show, I will be off to my usual spot in the Westminster Arms to raise a glass to outstanding leadership, and we'll be back soon with another authentic story of success and innovation from the world of British industry. Um, Remember, everybody, please do take care of yourselves moving forward. Um, We'll be seeing you next time. Enjoy the remainder of your week, and goodbye.